Welcome to New England Take and to PKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, 101.9 FM Manchester, and nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. I'm excited to have uh, Carl Zabo on the show today. He's Vice President and General Counsel for NetChoice. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. So having you on specifically to talk about the American Innovation and Choice Online Act, which was sponsored by Senator Amy Klobuchar and successfully made it through committee. Uh, What's the the overall uh, goal of this act? Well, you know, they call it the American Innovation and Choice Online Act. What it's actually doing is removing choices from consumers. Top lines, if you go into Costco, what do they put at the edge of the counter, you see Kirkland brands. This would basically make it impossible for Amazon to sell Amazon basics alongside Duracell. What does that mean for consumers? It means less choice when you go to shop online. What does that mean? Higher prices for the stuff you're paying today. So at the end of the day, it means less choice, higher prices. And when you are able to get less stuff for more money, what do we call that? We call that inflation. So this is just a bad bill for American consumers. And who's it designed to protect? designed to protect corporate competitors like Target and Best Buy. Yeah, is this, yeah, I mean, is this primarily targeted at Amazon or are there some other uh, large companies that she's trying to aim this at? I mean, this is a fundamental shift in the whole way that we look at the marketplace today. In the U.S., success is the goal, right? The goal is to be the best. I mean, heck, New England, you want the Patriots to keep winning even though they've been winning long enough. So we cherish, we embrace, we encourage success. What this is saying now is success is bad. In America, anyone can make it so long as you don't make too much. And that's not the way that we operate as a nation. That's not the way we've operated since our foundation. We have always, for the past 40 years, when it comes to issues of market control, market domination, look to see one thing in particular. Does it harm consumers? Do you have market power? Do you abuse that market power? And does it harm consumers? Well, what we're trying to see with the efforts from Senator Klobuchar is to throw away the focus on consumers and instead focus on corporations. Do your corporate activities harm competition? Well, yeah. Every business who tries to make their services better, cheaper, and faster are going to hurt competitors who just aren't as good. That's what we want, robust competition. But Senator Klobuchar has decided, well, I guess that's not what I want. I've decided that even though consumers are better off than they were previously, we're just going to make sure that the competitors are not better off, are not worse off. And and that just doesn't make any sense. What does that mean for me as a consumer? That means you're going to see less competition in the marketplace. It's going to encourage bad competitors to be able to compete better. And what does that mean? That means higher prices. That means higher inflation means less choice, less innovation. So it's actually the exact opposite of what this bill pretends to be. I feel like we're in a weird place when it comes to these large uh, technology companies where they're just so everywhere. I mean, you look at Amazon, they have their Prime TV, but they also rent out programs and you can buy programs. They have um, their... Their, their overall platform was originally based around selling books. So they sell books, but they also sell their Kindle versions of the books. So they have their own ecosystem for that. When it comes to uh, general household goods and clothing, they have their, their uh, the big, you can buy Tide, or you could probably buy an Amazon Basics laundry detergent, for example. I don't think they sell a laundry detergent, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, where... I, I'm conflicted on where, how exactly this should be dealt with at some point because we have a limit to how far we want to go down. We're totally just 
going with large corporatist mindset where Randy and where we're just letting the companies do what they got to do and the market will sort it out versus these companies are so large they buy up so many of so much of the competition uh, that it makes it hard for other companies to really grow a real presence where do you feel like the bumpers should be or do the bumpers already exist with what we already have so we tried once upon a time back in the early 1900s, the idea of, I know it when I see it for antitrust enforcement. Antitrust is kind of the tool that we as Americans use. <laughs> Porn when, and antitrust. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but that, that's exactly it. You can see how tough it is to define. Um, and so antitrust is kind of the tool we use to address when a business is too big and abusing their power to harm competition in a way that ultimately harms America. So it used to be, we. I know it when I see it. And what does that do? That means it's at the whim of whomever's in office. It, it creates no standard for business. And imagine if we had our legal system operating that way. Oh, murder is, I know it when I see it, not when somebody actually murders somebody else. We have clear rules for that. So in the seven, uh, 1970s, we actually went to something called the consumer welfare model. And this has been the model and standard that we've been using in the United States for the past 40, 50 years. It's been supported by every Supreme Court justice, including the sitting ones today, so across the political spectrum. And what it ultimately says, it creates an objective standard. It says, we will look to see if somebody has the three things. One, market power. That means you control about 75% of the market. Two, you abuse that market power. And three, it results in consumer harm, harm to consumers. So using your example of Amazon. Amazon, funnily enough, is actually not the largest retailer in the world. That's Walmart. Amazon's actually about half the size of Walmart when it comes to uh, US retail or world retail sales. But let's, let's pick on Amazon anyways. So they don't have market power, but let's assume they did. Well, what are they doing? They are providing more competition and ultimately lower prices for consumers. Now, the fact that Energizer can't charge me more for batteries because they have to compete with Amazon Basics, that's good for me as a consumer. That's good for my pocketbook. Does it suck if you're Energizer? Yeah, that means you can't extort more money out of customers, but that's not how we look at antitrust law. We are focused on the consumer, but that's not what Senator Klobuchar wants to do. She wants to protect Energizer. She decided that Energizer is not making enough money on their batteries because they have to compete with uh, Amazon. And that's not fair to Energizer. And what we end up seeing is a move away from the focus on protecting consumers, making sure that we're paying as little as possible and getting as much for our money. And instead, looking to make sure that Energizer is getting as much profit as it is because Amy Klobuchar has decided, well, they're a good corporation, Amazon bad corporation. That's not how we want our legal system to operate. That's not how we want our lawmakers to operate. I want them to apply the law equally, fairly, and in a way when it comes to antitrust law, the best protects American consumers. And continuing our, our battery metaphor <laughs> or uh, exam, yeah. use case, I mean, well, but it plays out perfectly when I consider I go to Market Basket to get my groceries. There, there's Duracell and Energizer, and then right beneath is Market mm -hmm. Basket brand, in quotes, whatever they source it from somewhere else, the same way Amazon is sourcing from somewhere else, and they're literally half the cost. I, I mean, it's, this really seems inconsistent uh, from a policy perspective. Well, absolutely. So uh, Senator Klobuchar knew, knows that if she applied this, you can't sell your own brand next to somebody else's brand, 
to every business. If she truly thinks that that's a bad thing, then to your exact example, uh, you go into CVS, you can't see a CVS brand. You go into Costco, you can't see Kirkland brand. You go into Sam's Club, you can't see Sam's brand. Americans just wouldn't accept it. So what does she instead do? She tries to leverage a frustration with some tech businesses and just write a law specifically designed to attack them. Uh, interestingly enough, simultaneously, our constitution prohibits these types of laws. They're called, uh, uh, basically, you cannot criminalize a person. You can criminalize an action, you can't criminalize an individual. And they're called bills of attainer, and that's essentially what you're seeing here. But ultimately, when I, as an American, when I, as a customer, want to buy the generic brand, I should be able to buy the generic brand. And what she's trying to do is outlaw it on things like Amazon. And for uh, an Amazon's quote defense, I wouldn't necessarily say it's defense. I feel like they've kind of built I, – I can't tell whether it's intentional or not. They have this weird ecosystem when it comes to how they sell things in general because you have – your Amazon Prime things, which if you're smart and you know what you're doing, you're just immediately hitting that Amazon Prime thing because it's not necessarily all Amazon products. It's they may um, they may let the algorithm kind of put the Amazon products at the top, whatever. We're not diving into that specifically. Say that may there may be a case to be made for some a little more equal competition when it comes to how algorithms are created, but that's a whole other subject entirely. I think um, the which you probably disagree with, but <laughs> but the um, it, when it comes to their ecosystem, they have they have their their Amazon brand. They have the fulfilled by Amazon, where for the most part, their products that exist in their warehouses. Some some of the times, it's products they bought they they uh, wholesale buy and resell, and then they have some other items where in that fulfilled by Amazon, where other retailers will put things in their warehouse for Amazon to sell. Those are basically your best bets in order to do it. And Walmart has a very similar ecosystem on their website, which makes their, their only their websites a lot worse when it comes to actually finding anything. It's terrible. But then they also underneath that have this third level that no one understands where you can just go in and sell whatever you want on Amazon or Walmart if you're one of their approved retailers. A lot of them are sketchy. It's a lot of garbage that comes from China that is just going to break on you, may never work. Uh, I mean – this seems like the low-hanging fruit. It seems that they should try and do something to do to do something better, whether it's from a government perspective, whether it's the the company wanting to keep the government off their back. I, I mean, do you do you guys at, at um, NetChoice have any opinion on how that stuff is handled? So to your to your point, there there is two fundamental differences. There is Amazon seller of record and Amazon third-party intermediary, and Seller of record means that Amazon, just like a, a grocery store, buys the products from the supplier, hosts them, and sells them directly to the computer the consumers. So they actually become this what is called the seller of record. They actually buy the goods and sell the goods. There is the other opportunity where they become kind of the platform for a business to sell its goods. And the nice thing about the latter is. Amazon itself is not going to take a risk on a certain product unless the profit margin is big enough for them to make it worth their while to actually buy, store, and ship to the consumer. By opening it up to third-party sellers directly, third-party sellers get the benefit of the eyeballs and the brand of Amazon.com, but then are able to reach customers who otherwise might not know about the product or 
uh, Amazon has no interest in actually buying and selling that product because it's just not cost effective for them. So what this does, it actually opens up a lot of opportunity for small businesses to reach more customers. And you got to think about the small town, uh, think about a main street store in Concord, right? Mm -hmm. You open a niche brand, you got to pray like heck that the right person happens to walk past your store, which in COVID is even less these days, and then sees a product they want in your window, walks in. Now you can have your niche brand on Amazon.com and you're much more likely to find a customer through that. Now, to your point about risk of bad goods, there are like buyer protection systems and Amazon does have to do some business vetting because at the end of the day, if I buy a product from Amazon.com and it sucks, I'm not going to go after that third party seller. I probably don't know who the heck it is, but what am I going to do? I'm going to tell all my friends, I bought this product at Amazon.com and it broke and uh, it was terrible. And what does that do for Amazon's brand? It hurts their brand. So they have a financial interest in making sure that customers are happy, the customers receive goods that are quality. And frankly, I, I would say this regardless of anything, Amazon's return policy is fantastic. I call them up and I'll say, hey, uh, this product broke on me and the, the, they'll apologize and they'll almost fall over themselves to make it whole. And they do that because they want to protect their brand. And that's the type of customer service, that's the type of reaction you see when there is robust competition in the marketplace. When they know that I could just as easily go to a walmart.com, target.com, bestbuy.com, or I can drive down the road to the shopping mall. So to address the third party seller problem, they have a financial incentive to do so, but by the same token, by allowing third party sellers to be on their platform, you are empowering small businesses to reach customers they never would have otherwise reached before. Yeah, success story I'd say is like Anchor, for example. It's A N K E R is a South Korean uh, electronics manufacturer that's just blowing up. I mean, they they they're all over the place. They've were very quiet for a long time. They slowly. Um, worked up to getting a lot of tech YouTubers to kind of sign off on the products and actually review them. And um, now they're the place if you want to get a, a, an external battery to charge your phone because all the rest of them are just these scary devices that came from China. And I, it seems a little bit like South Korea has really been able to capitalize on this uh, Amazon ecosystem. Yeah, I used an Anchor device just yesterday uh, charging up my phone. And one of the things that, that I really appreciate about all a lot of the businesses that are covered by uh, Senator Klobuchar's bill, and she tries to demonize them, is all the good they do. So even if I'm going to go buy something today, I'm going to go pick up a TV, let's say, from Best Buy, I will go to Amazon.com, find the TV, read the reviews, check out all the user ratings, and then go buy it from BestBuy.com. For that, Amazon doesn't collect a nickel. And instead, all the business goes to Best Buy. Best Buy gets all the benefit of the user reviews on Amazon, so it's it's almost like a uh, uh, check check it out online and then go buy it in store where Amazon's actually the loser of the transaction. So it's really opened up a lot. And we're not just talking about Amazon with these bills. We're talking right. about one of the impacts of uh, Senator Klobuchar's bill is, and I did this test the other day. Uh, there's an old search engine I used to use because I'm getting up in my years called ask.com. Mm -hmm. And I did a search for hospital direction to hospital near me. And it gave me a laundry list of links to things like MapQuest and stuff like that. And instead, I went to Google and I said, direction to hospital near me. And what's the first thing I see? I see a, a, a map with here's your location. Here's the hospital. Here's the fastest route to get there. 
that type of service, that mapped functionality would not be allowed in Senator Klobuchar's bill because Google would be forbidden from showing me their maps ahead of anyone else's maps. Hmm. So instead of seeing, here's the directions to get my kid to the hospital to go get a COVID test, I would instead see a bunch of links to other websites that may or may not have good directions and may or may not take me to the nearest hospital to me. So that's the type of functionality we'd be losing or my toilet was overflowing the other day and I did a quick search on Google of how to fix a broken toilet. I see a quick YouTube video at the top hit, right? Google can't do that because that would be them preferencing their own video service. So instead I would get a bunch of, here's how to fix your toilet links. Guess what? My toilet's overflowing now. I need that video now. So what we're doing is we're undermining the functionality, the benefit and the features that we all enjoy when it comes to the internet. Uh, last thing I'll say, and then I'll let you jump in, but Microsoft Teams is a good example of this. Mm. So one of the things that becomes illegal under Senator Klobuchar's bill is what's called bundling of services. So you know how when you have Amazon Prime, you get Amazon Prime video free? Yeah. Uh, Microsoft, uh, you sign up and you buy Microsoft Wind, uh, Word, you get Excel and PowerPoint and Teams included in that bundle. That packaging of services becomes illegal under this bill. So what does that mean? I, as a consumer, are now going to lose out on services I enjoy at no cost today. So it's it's really not good for, for anyone. Yeah. Another another example of that would be, I'd imagine, wouldn't be possible anymore, is the likes of Hulu, where they are able to tie in ESPN to Disney, for example, or um what's another example of that but, but yeah stuff like that i mean oh yeah another one i'd imagine probably be problematic is cell phone providers are beginning to tie in services like title like title wouldn't exist anymore if it wasn't bundled in with services i mean that's but that's the thing there's this arbitrary number that gets thrown in it's uh it's expanded significantly since mm -hmm. the last time to about 30 billion if you're a privately held company so like piggly wiggly is now covered but um, it's just an arbitrary number. So to your example of Disney, magically, they're not included. Why Senator Klobuchar didn't want Disney's lobbyists knocking down her door and instead wanted Disney's lobbyists to support the legislation. Uh, Those are I the mean, same people that were giving DeSantis crap for not including Disney in his uh, internet bill that he put out uh, last year. Oh, which Net Choices has an active lawsuit against, uh, but that's a different tale for a different <laughs> time. But, but that's exactly it. And so you see that just arbitrary number magically, you know, as I said, Target and Best Buy, who happen to be based in the same state as Senator Klobuchar, are not covered by this legislation. Just coincidence. Um, and th that's the fundamental problem with this legislation. It is not an objective test. It is a subjective effort to just beat on a bunch of businesses that Senator Klobuchar doesn't like. And that's just not how our government's supposed to work. Carl Zabo, Vice President and General Counsel for NetChoice. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. This is a very interesting conversation and uh, definitely we'll keep an eye out. It's the American Innovation Choice Online Act that uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar uh, just is pushing through, just got out of committee and is going to be uh, in the news probably for the next few months as Congress decides what is uh, going to be hitting the, hitting the uh, floor next. So thank you so much for having this conversation with me today. Thanks for having me. You listen to New England Taking to KXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten. Be sure to check out nhtalkradio.com to get the back episodes of the show. We'll be right back after this.
Welcome back to the New England Take and WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. Continuing my conversation here for a couple more minutes with Carl Zabo, who's the Vice President and General Counsel for NetChoice. Uh, I, I want to talk about, in general, what is NetChoice? You know, I get that question all the time. So the best way to describe it is we're a tech trade association that promotes free expression and free enterprise on the internet. Ultimately, my goal is to plow the field so that everyone can compete equally on on the online ecosystem for consumers, customers, and eyeballs. What are some big uh, points of action that you guys work towards? So one of the big things that I'd really like to see happen, and this has been kind of a dream of mine, I also you know kind of teach internet privacy law, is to get a national standard for privacy law. So one of the things that we're missing today is a national standard for privacy. So when I travel from Concord to Washington, DC, to Virginia, to Massachusetts, my privacy expectations don't travel the same everywhere I go. And not only is that bad for me as a consumer, because I don't know what to expect, it's bad for new businesses. Because remember, high costs are bad for new entrants. And what we can do is create a national standard so that every business need only comply with one federal privacy law rather than trying to hire a bunch of attorneys and comply with 51. It, it seems like uh, enter, the internet, one, another example of it kind of revamping the way we need to think about how businesses operate because it, it reminds me a lot of how, um, how there's been so much fights with regards to uh, car emissions regulations versus California. The internet's definitely the same way. You can't just have one internet in California versus another one in New Hampshire. You can't completely revamp how a car can possibly ever be on the road in California, how it could be in New Hampshire, because there's so many interstate commerce implications to such things. Exactly right. Exactly right. And uh, I mean, speaking of inter- interstate commerce, and we alluded to the Florida content moderation privacy bill. So what we have seen across the country is efforts by, ironically, red states to advance legislation to force social media platforms to host content they don't want to host. It would be like somebody coming to you and saying, you have to interview this politician because I said so. Mm -hmm. The government can't do that to you, and it shouldn't be able to do that to social media platforms. So we currently have two lawsuits that are ongoing. We've received uh, winning victories in both, but they've been appealed, one in Florida, one in Texas, basically saying the First Amendment prohibits the federal government from forcing a private business to say something it doesn't want to say. A big thing when it comes to the right versus the left uh, that's just a constant theme is federalism, The how much right the states should have versus uh, D.C., basically, make sure putting everyone on the same same uh, level is there a are, are there any examples where you feel like the state should be looking at on an individual basis doing specific things or is that something outside of what you uh, really work for when it comes to a lot of stuff there is there is there is a role for local state action on a lot of stuff i'm, I'm a big supporter of federalism uh which is all about states rights uh, one example is I've spent a lot of my career fighting against the internet sales tax legislation. We actually were the first ones to sue the state of South Dakota to protect people like New Hampshire who don't pay internet sales tax against tax collectors in Boston. So that's a place where I, I see a federal role. Uh, when it comes to privacy legislation, I see a federal role. When it comes to letting businesses uh, decide what content they should allow on their platforms, I actually think we should get politicians out of that business because the more politicians lean into it, the less trust consumers and Americans have in what they see 
online. They may think it's just spin for the left or spin for the right. Instead, what they want is businesses to provide them the information that the business thinks is best for them because the business is best positioned to know what's best for its customers. So I do think there are roles there, but when it comes to federal standards, uh, I mean, there's a role for states to codify the consumer welfare standard of antitrust into their state laws. There's a role to push for national data breach legislation, much the same way we have federal privacy legislation. So it, it's kind of a mixed bag because to your point, the internet is all 50 states. And there needs to be some sort of standard for businesses, especially if we wanna see robust competition because they need to be able to quickly get online and not have to hire a bunch of attorneys to come into compliance with a new change to Kentucky's data breach law or something like that. Carl Zabo, Vice President and General Counsel for NetChoice. Learn more about them at netchoice.org. You're listening to the New England Take. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten. We'll talk to you next week.